0: This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 250, and the quote of the day is, whatever is in your path and in your heart, you need to do. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource podcast. I hope you're doing well, and I hope you had a fantastic weekend. Happy Monday to you, and I hope you're out there crushing the week or getting ready to crush the week, uh, I should say. Uh, So, a couple things. One, if you dig the podcast, I'm going to ask you to go to drummersresource.com forward slash support And that is a way for that's a place where you can check out for a way for you to contribute to the podcast on a monthly basis, whether it's a dollar a month or two dollars a month, five dollars a month all the way up to $100 a month. And there's prizes and and gifts that go along with that as part of your support. So that helps keep the lights on here. It keeps paying people and paying for new equipment and paying for travel and things like that to go meet with people and to do more interviews. So please, if you get any value out of this podcast, do me a favor and check out drummersresource.com forward slash support. Also, if you listen to Friday's podcast with... Evans uh, head of product uh, Sergio Bonsignore there's a chance for you to win some Evans drumhead so check that out if you haven't heard it yet you can listen to that at drummersresource.com forward slash session 249 now let's get into it with Drew Shoals. so Drew has been the drummer for Train since 2014 and he has a really unique story of things that he's done and sort of the the route that he took to getting to play with train and it's not the uh the path that you may think that he took so that's why i thought this this conversation is really really interesting And we talk about how everyone has their own path and his specifically is is definitely different than most also to let you know there's some there's some random ambient noise going on there drew and i met up we were going to meet at a coffee shop and then we moved to another place and it was too loud and then we ended up at a hotel so uh, if you hear you know you, you will definitely hear this ambient noise and some people talking and things like that but that's what's happening there and i actually dig it though it, it gives it like this real organic feel because we're just hanging out in this hotel lobby chatting drums and music and all sorts of stuff so i hope you enjoy and without further ado let's get into it with drew shoals We are here. We're in. Where are we now? We're in New York City, but where are we now? We're at the some hotel. We're, we're at
1: the the Mandarin Oriental Hotel <laughs> at the at Columbus Circle. We were uh, supposed to be area.
0: Yeah. At a coffee shop, and then we went to a Whole Foods, and yeah. now we're at a swank hotel. Yeah, we're, we're trying go. to find
1: a place where it's not loud, but it's still you know. It's supposed to be a little. It's, a, gonna, it's gonna, a little noise. It's real though. It's, gonna, <laughs> yeah, it's real. This it's is gonna, New gonna York be, City. Man. It's going
0: to be a uh, yeah. It's, there's no. We don't fake it here. Right. So. I, I, I like building backstory a little bit, so we don't have to go through sort of every single thing that sure. you've ever done since the time you were three, yeah. but I know you're from Portland, Oregon, uh, you've been playing with Train for the last four years, but how, where does that, where I, you know, I know that you went to law school and, you know, all of these other things, so where does, where does that journey start for you on drums in Portland?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and I started taking drum lessons when I was five. My mom uh, played piano and guitar and sang and i think she probably had partridge family visions of you know jamming with her son right so she put me in drum lessons which is surprising because like very few parents pick the loudest instrument you know but luckily mine did and uh um, so i started with a a local drum teacher there named marty higgins um who uh, was just like a r&b rock jazz blues kind of like mercenary dude who really championed uh You know, sight reading Mm -hmm. and kind of effective practicing and efficient practicing, you know, even from a young age. Um, And so he was a really great guy to start with. So, um, you know, just played in high school uh, jazz band and uh, marching band and all that stuff. And then started playing gigs around town, jazz, um, playing with like some R&B bands, played at church. Right. Um, So was able to kind of start doing it professionally even in high school. Mm -hmm. and then I went to a small liberal arts school. Like
0: professionally in the church and things? Yeah, I mean
1: like playing gigs out. Like, I got at, it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, um, and then uh, went to uh, college in the Northwest um, at a place called uh, Whitman College, a small liberal arts school. Continued to play there. Uh, and then uh, while I was at Whitman, I studied abroad in Botswana mm-hmm. uh, in Southern Africa. Oh, nice. And I actually ended up touring with a, uh, like an Afrobeat artist there named Ndingo Joa And... Originally, I was just gonna like interview him about the music industry, and he misunderstood why I was there. He's like, "Oh, I hear you're here to audition for my band." I was like, "Sure, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, do, let's it. do it." And then uh, ended up touring around Botswana with like musicians from Zimbabwe and South Africa, and really learned so much. And I was just like some twenty-one-year-old kid from America, right? But that's when I knew, man. When I get back and finish school, like I think I'm gonna like pursue this. Well, that's what I was gonna ask you. Was yeah. there?
0: Was there a time where you sort of said, okay, I want to do this for a career, or you were like, no, I'm going to keep going to school, and I'm going to you know, keep doing my thing, but I'm going to just play on the side? And
1: yeah, I mean, I was always uh, really interested in music. It was definitely like my main activity, but at the same time, I was involved in student government. I was in speech and debate, and right. kind of thought that law school was a trajectory that I was going to head in. Mm-hmm. Um, what type of law? Um, I ended up practicing litigation and mm-hmm. then mergers and acquisitions. So I was okay. at a large uh, firm in New York right. called Sherman Sterling.
0: But in the beginning, but, uh, in the beginning, were, I mean, you, I didn't grow like, up with
1: I didn't grow up with a bunch of lawyers. Like you know, I was I was one of the first people in my family to go to college. So it's not like I had an example of like what lawyers do. And right. honestly, it's pretty diverse what lawyers can do. Sure, it's not just law and order kind of like what you see on TV stuff. But um, I guess yeah. I guess I saw myself getting involved with litigation of some form, and right. and maybe eventually getting involved with um, local politics and things sure. like that. And that sure. was that was kind of what drew me to it initially. Um, but I also played drums a lot on the side, and right. and uh, you know, but I valued kind of developing other intellectual interests, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, so. But when I had that experience in Botswana, I just figured. Um, you know, I should pursue something I'm passionate about. Um, and yeah, so when I graduated from college, I moved back to Portland and started playing with a number of different types of, you know, rock, jazz, um, you know, R&B bands and things like that. And, um, eventually that led to meeting Pat Monahan, the lead singer of Train. This was probably about 2007. All right. So we have to, yeah. we got
0: we gotta unpack that. A yeah, little bit for sure. Because I think a lot of times we talk about this and it's like, well, you know, I was, I, I started playing a couple gigs yeah. and then, you know, uh, and then, you know, Taylor Hawkins called me and then we started this band and now we're doing, or, you know, yeah, it's always right. like, yeah. so how does, how does that, how does that journey happen? How, yeah. Like, because, and the reason why I ask is because I think that it's important and I'm guessing the story that you're going to tell is that it, one thing leads to the next, leads to the next. And people think it's just like, you went back to Portland three days later, you know, you meet you meet right. the guys from training, and then it's like off to the races which
1: yeah. is usually not the case it's definitely right? not the case yeah i think that um uh the advantage of um kind of doing it how i did it where i was willing to kind of play um different genres and you know initially i was like oh, i'm just gonna play jazz but really that led to getting sessions doing you know americana roots rock stuff singer-songwriters and i just tried to stay open mm-hmm. and um and there are a lot of really amazing musicians in Portland and it's, it has a really cool kind of indie folk rock scene as well as amazing jazz musicians. So I just tried to soak it all in and, um, uh, was, was just always kind of going to jam sessions, going to other people's gigs and introducing myself and just was very proactive and kind of, um, marketing myself as someone who mm-hmm. was, is, uh, you know, professional and competent and willing to put in the work to, uh, to prepare for different types of gigs. So, um, so I kind of, became a hired gun around town that led to playing with a band out of Portland called New Shoes mm-hmm. you may remember them from the 80s yeah, like I can't yeah. wait like they're they're really nice people and um, they were they put together like a kind of like a jazz version of like their band right. and um, uh, figured
0: you be the guy for <laughs> well
1: yeah I mean they still wanted like some kind of like hip-hop grooves and, and things with with some jazz sensibility and so they called me up and uh, the guy that produced that is a guy named Greg Williams who um, used to drum with Cheryl Crow and um, just other folks. And basically when Pat Monaghan was looking for drummers, like he reached out to his guitar player in the band, Luis Maldonado, whose manager was based in Portland and was asking for like, hey, who might be a good fit for Pat Monaghan's solo album, which is very diverse, like uh-huh. soul and rock and pop. And it wasn't, um, It was a little bit different than what train traditionally had done right um so they reached out to this guy greg williams who was busy producing and was like you should call this young drummer drew Scholes. so it was totally like right place right time but it it came from kind of um hustling all sorts of gigs and being prepared yeah like it's not like you said it's not just getting you get the call but and it's a bit of luck but it's a lot of like hard work and preparation and, and and um you know just being willing to to, um, to take a leap to do something you know, so at the what, right time. So what
0: year did you start working with Pat?
1: That was like uh, 2007, and so we did a U.S. tour, and then I did a bunch of one-off gigs with him for about a year and a half. So um, was this pre-law yeah. law school? Or this was, yeah. It was all pre-law school? Pre-law school, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, because
0: yeah. I'm, I was trying to figure out, okay, well, uh, well we, can, we can sort of dive into that story um, about how, so you're playing with Pat, and where does it go from there do you it sort of he starts doing the train thing again and goes off yeah the road it start,
1: yeah basically like train was kind of on a hiatus during that time, and um Pat wanted to explore different types of music and and kind of um you know he had he had done i think four train albums at that point, right, and you know you play with the same musicians for a long time and, and sometimes people want to do side projects mm-hmm. or they want to work on something else and I think that that's what was going on with him um So yeah, Train was kind of getting back together. They were they were working on a new record, and actually, that's around the time that I revisited the idea of going to law school, which is something that I had thought I might do when I was in college. So it wasn't far fetched. But I think my musician friends were like, "Man, you're just now getting a high profile gig. Like, you know, now's the time maybe to move from a place like Portland to a place like LA LA or New York." York. Exactly. Um, But I did move to New York, but. So, but I started working for a legal nonprofit uh, because I, that's when I, when I decided I was going to apply to law school. So I moved to New York in 2008, uh, worked up in the Bronx criminal court. Were um, you worried about not getting the,
0: or were you sort of like, I'm going to put, I'm going to put music on the back burner. That's right. Yeah. 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 Cause well, I, 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 yeah. Talk, talk to me about that decision.
1: Yeah, man. Honestly, I was like really um, inspired by, um, I mean, not to get overly political for people, but like, I was really inspired by Barack Obama running for office at that time. And as someone who had studied um, race and ethnic studies Mm -hmm. and African-American history in college and someone who cares about social justice issues um, and trying to give back to the community and, and, and figure out a way to like serve other folks. Like I was kind of inspired by that path. And even though I had only done music professionally for about three, four years at that point, I felt like I needed to take some time to explore another, you know, profession, um, another skill set that I thought I was good at and had something to offer in. Right. And so that's why I worked for a legal nonprofit, um, and it was like an alternative to incarceration nonprofit up in the Bronx that helped kind of get get people back on their feet. And mm-hmm. uh, and so I did that while applying to law school, and then ended up getting into Penn Law School, uh, University of Pennsylvania in Philly. So I moved there, and right. and then yeah, so that. Basically, just during that time, also, is when Train, uh, you know, they put out the album Save Me San Francisco, mm-hmm. which had Hey Soul Sister, which was a massive hit. And, you know, at that point, I mean, honestly, I think that's still the biggest hit for the band, but right. Drops of Jupiter is up there, too, obviously. But um, it really kind of jump-started Pat and, and Train's career again. Um, and to be able to do that on your fifth album 15 Sweet. years later is, is pretty great. And yeah. it's a testament to how hard those guys work, and Pat, you know, is, is such a motivated... Uh, songwriter, you know, mm-hmm. he works really hard at it every day. He works with, you know, the the best producers he can find to kind of bring out the best lyrics and the, right. and the you know, the catchiest songs.
0: He has a podcast too, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, man. yeah. He's a
1: really bright guy, you know. And and actually, I, I think that's what we get along too. Is like in addition to music, I think he he's a well-rounded person. And, right. And I I have other interests other than music. I also right. like law. I, you know, and so. I think we always connected uh, because we like to talk about other stuff other than music. Right. In addition to having that shared connection of so both being drummers too, like right. he's a drummer. So I
0: guess they're not pulling the wool over your eyes with your contract, okay. huh? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. did you were, were you ever thinking like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna not do I'm not gonna play music anymore, yeah. or were you just sort of like, let me pick up this skill set? I'm always gonna be a drummer. I'm always going to play. I'm guessing you didn't play much through law school. And I, pl- I had a
1: weekly jazz gig in uh-huh. West Philly, um, and the
0: Bob's and Barbers or something.
1: Uh, no, but actually, yeah, that is a nice, Wednesday nights there. They yeah. had like the
0: organ trio. Exactly. Thing. And there are
1: these, yeah. these dudes that have been playing in Philly for like 80 yeah, years. I mean, I love, things. yeah, I actually loved, uh, going to school there because from a legal standpoint, you know, that's where like the constitution was written. you know, Penn has such a, a great history of, of training really awesome lawyers and people who've gone on to be on the Supreme court and, um, you know, um, and then, the music scene like just has this you have the Philly soul scene all the drummers can have have a really you know deep swing groove but they can play hip hop and they have the gospel chops you think about someone you interviewed Justin Faulkner yeah. like coming out of that scene you know like there's just He's some really young really young, He's a young dude really talented <laughs> musician so i was soaking up some of that and i always loved Questlove was always one of my favorite drummers growing yeah. up so um, so just to be in that scene and kind of like you know soaking that in while also you know, learning about the law and, and working hard in that area, I think it was a really unique place to go. And so to answer your question as far as like, I needed to take time away from music because you can't half ask uh, going to law school. You know, you really right. got to work hard at it. And, and, and I was happy to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously the love for music was always there and it doesn't go away, you know. Um, but if I'm committed to doing something... I have you to have kind to be, of focus, you know, hundred percent on it, you it, know, while I'm doing it. So. It's
0: it's interesting that you said that. Two reasons. Yeah. One, uh, when I started Drummers Resource, I had to make the conscious effort to not tour, to yeah. not go. So I was I moved to New York and started Drummers Resource at the same time. Uh-huh. So I was like, I either got to build this this business, yeah. or I have to go out and hustle gigs. Sure. I can't do both, right? I was kind of like you did. I got to be focused on one thing. Yeah. Now, coincidentally, 2017, I'm ready. Now, drummer's resources yeah. built. It's going really well. Now, right. I'm like, oh, now I can start playing again. But the other thing that I think is really interesting, which the message that I get out of what you're saying, that I think that is important for the listeners to know that. You know, I've been trying to change the narrative of what it means to be a professional drummer, what it means to be a drummer, to say, like, if you have a day gig or something, and you play music, and you get paid to play music, you're still a professional drummer. You don't have to be on tour with Train or with Chili Peppers or anything. Yeah, right. But also, it's okay to go and do other things and then come, and and if you don't want to come back, that's one thing, but it's okay to, like... You can you don't just have to be a drummer. For me, like yeah. it's coincidentally I'm really interested in law and contemplating oh, going cool. to law school. But well, we should talk time. more, yeah. i yeah. love to talk to you about <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, for me I, I love drumming. You yeah. Know, I, it's my passion. I've been doing right. it for, since I was a kid. But I also enjoy business. I yeah. enjoy right. uh, you know, personal development, I enjoy sports, I yes. enjoy all these other things. Yeah that I would go work in some of those other fields. Right. And but for a while, I struggled with that. Sure, of you course. Know? So did you... I did like, too, yeah. Did you feel like you were sort of like turning your back on music and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what do you... And yeah. if that's the case, and not that I'm saying that it is, but if you're saying that's the case, then what do you think it is? Is Is it, is it that you're worried about what... Is it, is it mostly you're thinking like what are other people going to yes, think? Yes,
1: I think it's that. And especially as a younger musician, right. you're like sensitive to that. Um, but I already made that decision to, to go, you know, I went to a liberal arts school and studied something other than music, right? Right. Even though I played a ton and Mm -hmm. practiced a ton and was still really into it. But I was about like developing myself as a well-rounded person. Right. Right. Um, and I had other friends who went to conservatories. Right. And I was jealous of them because I'm like, Oh man, I could be in New York, you know, at the new school or something and like really digging in. But then you talk to some people who do that and they're like oh i wish i would have learned how to write well and like sure. have taken these other classes uh-huh. and, and, and you're like well you could have <laughs> yeah right so it's like i think it's a grass is greener thing um and and given the fact that i actually did end up going to law school i'm glad that i i did the college thing the way that i did right um but yeah you 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 feel like you have to be twenty four seven drums, otherwise you're not really in it. But I don't think that that's true. And when you were telling me earlier, when we were talking before the interview about Jimmy Chamberlain and how he like has uh, other. Yeah, he's
0: like a he's he's like in the tech world. Yeah, he's
1: in the tech world. He has other interests, you know. Sure. And this is the he was my, my favorite drummer when I was a kid. Yeah, and he's a monster. And player. he's a monster player. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. You know, obviously he put a lot of work into drumming, but at a certain point, Jimmy decided you know, I have other interests. I have other things I want to do. It doesn't mean that I can't come back and play with the pumpkins or whatever, you know. Right. So, uh, and I'm I'm definitely not on his level um, technically, but I do think that I have other interests and it's been, it was it was good to be able to explore it um, and then be able to practice law for, for a year and a half. Um, but I think that um, a, a lawyer told me early on when I went to law school that you have to take the long view um, on your time management. Sometimes we think of time management like, you know, every day I need to do X, Y, Z, but sometimes it's, well, for four weeks, I'm going to focus on this thing or for two years, I'm going to focus on that thing. And you have to kind of realize that you go through different seasons in your life. And so for me, it was a six year season of preparing to go to law school, going to law school and then being a lawyer. (laughs) But when that call came from Pat, you know, in 2014, literally his text said, like, are you sick of being a lawyer yet? Right. And I knew I was like, man, if he's asking, maybe something's up. Uh, you know, I, I, I had no regrets cause I had gone to school. I had practiced law for a bit and I really didn't have any intention of leaving right away. Mm-hmm. You know, I, w- I was also passionate about the law, but, um, to be able to receive the opportunity to, to, uh, tour on a, international scale to record with uh, grammy winning artists you know and right. um, it was, was really hard to, to turn down and even the lawyers at my firm they were like you got to do this right. you know because they knew the band that was helpful to be able to walk in and be like hey, hey. they're fans you know like um which is kind of a cool it's yeah. amazing you know because it wasn't really like starting it wasn't like starting from scratch mm-hmm. i you know i think i was leaving one great opportunity as a lawyer. To do another great opportunity you, yeah. playing with a big band. You weren't you know?
0: saying I'm going to go hustle gigs in the right. city and.
1: Which would have been yeah. fine too, but so, I think that this was this was a really unique and awesome professional choice as well as a personal kind of musical choice. Right. You know, right? Um, so life hopefully is long, right? And I hope that this gig lasts for a long time. You know, I think that we're, we just put out um, the band's put out its tenth studio album. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in january of this year and uh it's called a girl a bottle A boat put it out on columbia records and um it's charting well um here and abroad and i mean like i said pat's just such a hard worker and and really deserves all the the success that he gets and i'm just um really glad to be a part of it um but down the line who knows what will happen you know what i mean in in terms of career you know when maybe if trains on a break um you know just to be able to have this other skill set like it could you know maybe maybe it leads to working for a label or working in management or entertainment law i hope i get to play drums forever but but you know i think that these you know when you i know your podcast is also about the the, the industry right and i was listening to your interview with kenny arnoff and he talks about how you know he, he was able to make a lot of money as a session guy right but it's really hard to do that these days. It's sure. very rare that people can make a solid living, and not that it's just about money, because mm-hmm. it's not. But you know, as you get older and you have a family and you want to provide and, and have meaning and have a meaningful kind of existence, um, as 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 it pertains to you know making a good living, doing something you want to do. Right. Um, you know, you kind of have to be. You have to hustle beyond just like hustling gigs, right? It's uh-huh. it's about um, networking broadly, right? So even while I was in law school, I still was texting with Pat just to check in because he's my friend and we had worked together. And I think being able to check in throughout that process kept my, me on his he- his mind, even right. though there are so many other great drummers that could have done a really awesome job on this gig. He kept me in mind because of that personal connection. Right. right. So I think you got to really take the long view on networking and you have to recognize that in terms of approaching time management and career kind of development that it's okay to take longer periods of time to do other things if right. you feel like it's going to be meaningful for you. in sure. the long term.
0: I was having a, a conversation with, uh, with uh, a guy that I'm sort of helping him with his career and things. And you know, he's like, I practice every day and I do this yeah. and, and he said, but I'm sort of like falling behind on the business stuff and
1: like, yeah, right. I need to
0: do all like my taxes. And all that. I'm like, sure. You can take a week yeah. and not practice <laughs> yeah. and sort of get your stuff
1: this last week was that for me yeah, i did my you know, taxes it's like, it's and like a, i had been lose. out of town and you know i had to catch up but but you yeah you stress out like, yeah. it's like a fear of missing out culture sure. right where you're like well if i'm not i'm not practicing then i'm losing to this other guy you know right. but like you got to do your taxes yeah it's okay yeah it's like it's, yeah.
0: A, it's okay to like right. you know like sort of macro micro looking at things for saying, sure okay you know maybe for a couple of weeks i need to you know focus on on this one thing or for, or for a couple years yeah. or yeah. whatever it is. I mean, it was hard for me. It was two years, right? you know, two and a half years of not really gigging. That's hard.
1: It is hard, That's yeah. It's
0: hard for me, especially when you want to be. It's one thing if you don't want to be or, you know, but like... To yeah, I thing, wanted
1: to be gigging and it was hard. Course. It was hard watching my friends, you know, get just moving along in the music industry and I'm feeling like I'm missing out, right? Right. Um, But at the same time, now I have this law degree forever, right, and I have this extra training that I think um, helped me grow as a person and as a professional. And honestly, you know, I think I'm a solid drummer and I think that I'm fitting in great with what's going on with the band and I, I am lucky to work with amazing musicians and get positive feedback from other musicians that we come across that hear us in this version of our band, right? Um, but I think people want to talk to me about the fact that I was a lawyer and I had this kind of non-traditional path because I think it's just, you know, musicians often have like that, well, I went to the conservatory and then I, you Mm -hmm. know, and I, um, only do drums and that's what I do. And I, and I think that, you know, those drummers end up being really great too, you know, but I think that, um, my life experience kind of comes out in the way that I play too. I feel like I try to be a good listener. I try to be supportive. I try to be a team player and that. Just those life experiences and the, and the intellectual way that I think you know think about music too. I think it all comes out in who I am, and sure. and I think who you are is evident in the way that you play, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's all a part of my story and a part of how I try to contribute to the band. So I've been looking
0: for a new practice kit. I have a I have a DW collector's kit now, and I have a couple other random kits, but I wanted a new practice kit. And I figured out what I'm going to get. It's going to be a Gretsch Catalina Jazz Club Kit. Reason being is, one, it's a Gretsch, and I've always wanted a Gretsch. I haven't had one. But two, they're inexpensive. You can buy a nice kit for $699. It's jazz kit, so it's you know it's a combo kit. It's a four-piece. But at that price point, you can get a used one for like $400. And I've played them all, and these things blow. I mean, I played, you know, all the kits around that price range and the Catalina jazz kits blow them out of the water. So if you're looking for an inexpensive kit and you want to not spend, you know, a zillion dollars on a, on a practice kit or even a gigging kit, check out the Catalina jazz kit. It's, it's definitely, uh, definitely gives you the most bang for your buck. You can learn more about them at gretch.com. You know, it's really common as drummers for us to get stale and for our playing to hit the ceiling. And the best way to break through that ceiling and to refresh your playing is to get in front of some really great players to get some stellar feedback. And a great place to do that is Musicians Institute in Hollywood, California. MI boasts over 20 working L.A. drummers. We're talking guys like Gordon Campbell, Kenny Arnoff, Ryan Brown, Blair Sinta, Jason Sutter. Brendan Buckley, who I've had on the podcast. And you can learn more about MI and you can enroll at mi.edu. Musicians Institute, instrumental in life. If you're always on the road, you're always gigging, you're always touring you got to keep your drumsticks at your side, and I suggest doing that with Promark's new premium stick bags. So each style adds a convenience that you need, and whether you want the Transport Deluxe that has a ton of storage and metal-hanging Tom mounts and leather interior pockets or the Silver Essentials bag that just holds four sticks and a little pocket for your drum key, they've got you covered there at Promark. So check them out, their new Promark stick bags. You can learn more about them at Promark.com. Now let's get back into it with Drew Shoals. You know, I've done 250 of these, you know, yeah. and everybody's story is unique. Sure, there, there are the guys who went, you know, it's like music, 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 yeah. music, and, but it's okay if you want to do these other things, and you may not have to have that path, and you don't have to practice drums 24 hours a day. And what I don't want people to think is that we're saying you shouldn't do that, but what I want to yeah. say is It's okay if you if you do other things, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't feel guilty about that. You shouldn't feel bad if you want to get a day gig and only gig on the weekends.
1: Yeah.
0: Also, you shouldn't feel bad if you want to hustle gigs and not get a day job. For sure.
1: And that's honestly when after college, I didn't have a day job. I only hustled gigs, and I think that I grew a lot during that time because of it. Mm -hmm. You know, and practicing long hours in order to uh, um, in order to get to a certain place. Um, I mean, I think that you know. Thomas Lang's interview, like talking about um, the ten thousand hours approach. Yeah. You know, like the is that right? Was yeah, that yeah? yeah. It was um, I mean, and just to hear to hear how he efficiently attacks practicing. I mean, look, that's why he sounds the way he does, right? <laughs> you know, like that guy's a monster, right? Yeah. And when I hear people like that, I'm like, man, I got to work harder, and that's good. Like, sure. I want those guys out there, and there's a reason that they're incredible instructors, and you know, um, but uh, yeah. So and and. and there's no escaping the fact that you have to put in the hours Mm -hmm. um, to get great at anything, um, whether it's drums law or whatever you choose to do, you know, you have, there's no, you got to do the homework, you got to do the work, there's no shortcut. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think that the, um, the networking part of it, you know, that, that's something that's, that's, um, that is a lot of times people don't think about, you know, the professional side of like marketing yourself and branding and like, um, you know, if you only play drums and are really great, it's not necessarily, doesn't mean that you're going to get the gigs, right? Of course, um, yeah. But, you ha- but to get the gigs, you have to, the prerequisite is that you know how to play, I right? say people should so. practice their business
0: as much <laughs> as they practice their paradigms. Right, games,
1: you right. Know? and it seems like, the. the, the it seems like, conservatories are recognizing that you have to have business classes as well as right. the and that, the more traditional classes.
0: That's not the case. I mean I I originally I went to Villanova mm,
1: nice. and
0: left because there was no music there, mm, but then yeah. I be, I was a music major mm-hmm. and I was like there's no business. And I like I enjoy business so I sure. ended up getting a music minor and a business that's smart. degree yeah, that's great Because I you know not I don't want to say that I had this foresight of saying I should have both of these. I just knew that I was interested yeah, in both of them. Yeah, for sure. But now, looking back, it was probably the best thing that I yeah. ever did. You know, right. Because, yeah, they don't, they, at the time, they weren't teaching any music business courses right. or anything like that. There was two schools in the country. There was University of Miami and Berkeley. Yeah. They were the only two schools in the country that had a music business, a, a music business management degree and or a music business degree and a music performance mm, degree wow two in the country man i'm sure it's changed now yeah you yeah. know that was that was uh 10 years ago. sure yeah um so but it but it's just interesting now that it's taking them this long to sort of figure it out but i think and correct me if i'm wrong don't you think that before you could just be the session guy and you could make a ton of money or uh-huh. you could just be the, the touring guy and make a ton
1: of money. Now you
0: have to have multiple irons I in think fire. So. I think so. And yeah. you have to have a, you know more of a business sense of like, you're running a small business. Right. And you have to figure all that stuff out, all the moving parts.
1: Yeah, and it's been cool to, um, I think that's right, and it's been cool in my path with the band so far um, to be able to meet people, say, at Amazon Music, right? right. We, we put out a Christmas record mm-hmm. through Amazon a couple of years ago, and Dave Dieter is one of the guys, um, is one of the higher-up kind of vice presidents uh, there. Um, he was the lead singer of the Presidents of the United States of America. Oh, know. really? Yeah. And now he, I mean, he went and got a master's uh, at, like, Brown or something, and then ended up moving back to the Northwest and is, like, an executive at Amazon Music, right. but he's a former musician, right, right. who, like, did did the whole 90s like leader of a rock band thing mm-hmm. you know and so he has a very unique perspective sure. as someone who thinks about the industry intellectually as well as has the experience of being a musician right, right. Um, so to meet people like that who just have like random career paths you know it makes me feel like I'm not a weirdo right. <laughs> you know to have different interests and um, but don't get me wrong man like the most fun thing you could ever do is play drums Let's on play stage drums. and and especially the the types of venues we get to play like it's, it's real I'm very fortunate very honored to be in this situation and um learn a lot from from uh the other drummers of the bands that you know go on the road with mm-hmm. us and you know this summer we're going out with OAR a lot, uh, man, Chris Kulos. Did you, did you, you yeah. uh, interview him at some point or Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've
0: had him on yeah he, and I, are, yeah, he's he awesome. and I hang kinda hard so Oh cool man. Yeah um, I'm really
1: stoked to watch him and I, I mean I, I when I was at He's Whitney, a great
0: dude too. I don't know how yeah, well you know him. Just, I, I
1: just met him recently. We did a show in New York okay. over the holidays, but I actually had met him like 15 years ago, I was in charge of bringing bands to school. Like I, I put on concerts and stuff, and brought OAR uh, in, in 2002 to nice. Walla Walla, and Maroon Five was on the bill uh, and it's a great band too. opening for OAR. And, um, wow! And uh, and then Matt Nathanson was first of three, and Matt is a singer songwriter mm-hmm. who now tours with you know has toured with Train a few yeah. times, and it's just it's interesting to. Even then, like to have been doing it more from like a kind of a business standpoint of like hiring bands to put on shows, but then now to be you know somewhat peers with these guys is is really cool and it's just an interesting kind of full circle thing
0: and the lesson that i that i'm I'm hearing as this happened is imagine if you worked with them before. They were complete jerks. I mean,
1: <laughs> no, that's a good you know, point. And then it's it's an excellent like, point.
0: Okay, we're gonna go out on the road, and it's like, well, I don't want to go out with them. Mm. I booked them years. They were complete jerks, right. and like nobody wanted to work with them. You know, mm. I'm not like I love the guys from IR. I'm not saying yeah, but who knows? You never know where. I'm sure at the time you weren't like in ten years. I'm gonna be on tour with them and train. No, and, you know, I was
1: twenty years old. Right, no, not thinking about that. But hopefully, I was nice, and I think I was. <laughs> you know, sure kind of kind of starstruck even you know um we brought death Cab for cutie and it was um Jason McGurr's mm-hmm. first gig with the band really. was at Whitman College and so i got to watch this guy and i was like man this guy's amazing and now you know he's i watched them play madison square garden last year you yeah, know yeah. and it's so cool to to see that and um, insane. uh yeah you got to be you can't burn the, any bridges and mm-hmm. and just because it's just just not, it's good to be nice to people right, right. um but i've i, I found um, actually drummers in particular the ones that i've met um over the past 3 years being with train like um there's so much camaraderie and like at least with the younger kind of generation of guys it's crazy. like it's re- uh, do you do you feel the 100%. same way yeah like people are really nice and they're like uh, you know this one guy Gunnar Wilson i'm sorry Gunnar Olson. uh uh he's a new york drummer i'm glad i messed up his name good thing that we're friends uh, <laughs> Uh, Gunnar Olsen plays with Mother Feather mm-hmm. and Big Data and he's just a monster player right like s- super great but we basically like we're exchanging um, like videos of ourselves just like practicing things mm-hmm. and we we're like oh I'm working on this thing oh I'm trying to do this Chris Dave like hip-hop groove like check it out and we both are different players you know he kind of right. has this like he kinda can sound like Dave Grohl like kind of just a monster player. And I'm like, kind of came more from a jazz background and more like finesse stuff. But we just try to meet in the middle and exchange ideas and, and really push each other to practice things that we're, that are out of our comfort zone. Right. Um, and it led to us creating this new hashtag uh, called play this beat. Mm-hmm. And play this beat is just like, we, we did it a couple months ago, but it, it basically just it is an educational kind of series where it just encourages you to share what you're working on, tag your friends and be like, check this out, like try it out basically. Right. Um, and there are like 500 posts already from other people who have just hopped on and it's, it's, it's not, it's a total organic kind of movement, but it just came from like the camaraderie of like, Hey, I think you're an awesome drummer. We're both like young New York guys. Like, let's just like encourage each other to, to get better. And know?
0: the good thing about that, too, is most people just put out, you know, everybody puts out their highlight reel. So, oh,
1: it's definitely not about that. You know, it's, it's about just, working through stuff that you're bad at. Right,
0: right. <laughs> and, you you know, you can get discouraged if you go online and see everybody's oh, yeah. best take of everything. Sure. You know, like, I can put any clip of myself up. If I put the right 18-second clip yeah. up to make myself sound amazing, when you know, and it's like right. every, if I put every clip up like that, everybody's yeah. like, oh, this guy's great. He never messes anything up. And it's yeah. like, well, actually you know mess a lot of stuff up you just yeah. don't share it. So this of showing like hey man, here you know bruises and all we're going to
1: yeah, we're going to show it. Um yeah, cuz like uh, practicing is not about just recycling the things that you're excellent at, right? Like you're course. not going to grow um it makes you feel good about yourself, you know, but like yeah, really having good. kind of more disciplined orderly ways about going about you know how you practice um I think is a way to to evolve. But um it's also cool to add the competitive nature of it in, like healthy competition right, where sure. it's like, oh, my friend is getting good at this thing. Let me, let me try to see if I can do that. There. And I think yeah. it's just like a way for us to produce new content um, publicly in right. a way too, right? That like creates this community of drummers that's all trying to just like get better. Agreed. agree.
0: Yeah. And you would mentioned the camaraderie and someone asked me the other day, is there a difference between drummers and, you know, bass players and guitar players? Yeah, like, what do you I think? I said the one thing that I noticed is that there's so much camaraderie mm. between drummers. Mm-hmm. Drummers are, you know, by and large, are helping each other. Yeah. They, like 20 drummers get together in a room and shed. It's
1: pretty guitar cool. Guitar players don't do that. No. Bass players don't do that.
0: <laughs> right. You know, there are everyone's, you know, organ players don't do that. Yeah, Everybody's yeah. sort of hiding their licks sure. by and large and but drummers are like hey man what's that thing oh let me show you this you know like yes. and they trade licks and they help yeah. each other and for the most part unless you go on youtube for the most part everybody is supportive and yeah. constructive criticism except you know you go on youtube and there's 50 comments under a steve gad video and they're like this dude's a joke and you're like you're hey. like who is this person yeah, yeah. you're like as Haha. in the comment yeah You're like how? <laughs> okay. like how many okay well so, yeah you'll, no, and you'll never yeah. get rid
1: of that right you know? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess the internet is a, as as helpful as it's been for kind of finding new content to to get better and and learn from other people. It also creates people just saying negative things, but uh yeah, you, you, you can't you can't worry about those guys. And you know why?
0: <laughs> because it doesn't matter who you are, it's going to happen.
1: It's true. It, you know, yeah. so it's like Yeah. I guess yeah, for me, like, sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say, I mentioned on the podcast a lot yeah. that, like, listen, you should put your stuff out there. Put it out there. Yeah. And guess what? People Someone's are going to talk so. trash. It's yeah. go, It doesn't matter how good it is. Yeah. It's no, going to happen. Right. So just prepare yourself for that and move on. Yeah. Some guy, I did this. I, we put this video out about Chad Smith, and the guy's like, this dude's a total douchebag, huh. and, like, talking about me. And I was like, oh, really? Yeah. But I'm oh, like, well, that's
1: lame. You're but, like, you're the one with the podcast, like, meeting cool people and, like, helping people get better. So. But I was like, you know what? Yeah. That's. Okay. Yeah, whatever. That's cool. that's lame. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think that um, people who end up getting to a certain level of fame, um, like a Vinny Caliu or whoever, you know, um, if you have, if you end up potentially being a polarizing figure, right? Like, as many like people that love and adore you, you might create, well, maybe not Vinny. He's he's perfect, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) other than Vinny, but yeah, but just you know, especially because this day. This, in this day and age it's all, your branding has to do with like your image and stuff too so maybe like someone may not like the fact that Thomas Bridgen plays without his shirt but it doesn't change the fact that he's a monster drummer <laughs> so like it has nothing to you know like the comments would have nothing to do with like the fact that this dude's killing it you right. know so I don't know man like I, I just I, I love the love that I've gotten from my peers and being able to just make friends and learn from them and ask them you know how they're advancing their careers as well as like just developing themselves as drummers, and I think that you know it's good to be friends with other drummers because um, friendship is good. Right. And then also, you know, at a certain point, um, they may need a sub, or you need a sub, or you have to you end up moving on from a gig, mm-hmm. and you want to make a recommendation. And it's just good to like have that that kind of supportive environment. Right. Uh, I think it's just helpful for for everybody involved, um, as well as just having people who you feel like understand who sure. you are and what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm.
0: So, I want to put a thumbtack in the in, yeah. in, in moving on from a gig, but one thing I want to note is that Thomas Pridgen won the guitar center drum off. Yeah, when he was nine.
1: Dude, that's insane. Nine, and that just shows how like <laughs> I mean that's awesome, and he's he's so incredible. But like, uh, <laughs> but, but well, he yeah. was on
0: the podcast and he was like, yeah. So when I was nine, I, I was like, wait, 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 wait.
1: Yeah, nine years old.
0: Not nah, you said? Did you say nineteen or not? And he's like, no, it was well, not. Well, <laughs>
1: that's the thing. The guys that are real monsters, honestly, like you think about like Tony Williams or something like, they practice eight, 10 hours a day from the time they were little kids, right? And I practiced a lot, but man, I mean, there's a reason that those guys are who they are and you know, why I think I am the way, you know, like I, I, but I also, I feel like my sense of, you you develop tastes, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, maybe maybe Thomas heard someone like Billy Cobham and Dennis Chambers was able to break it down in a way that maybe I couldn't when I was eight or something. But ultimately, I ended up gravitating towards people like Questlove and Steve Jordan and um, Brian Blade mm-hmm. and people who, um, even though technically they're really jamming, but they're more like feel kind of laying it down, like you know, like the, right. those are just. I found myself kind of really getting, or like Ringo Starr, or like right. just guys that are a little more like, um, you know, supporting the music. But the, the way that, I, but I admire someone like Prigent who like supports the music and also is able to throw this amazing stuff that in there that that inspires drummers to work hard and practice right. and work on stuff that's difficult you know yeah so it's great
0: yeah he puts videos up that are just out of this world yeah um so you would mention you know moving on from a different gig maybe recommending so with with the train gig how what is your approach when you're going into that because you're replacing a drummer mm-hmm. the band's already established yeah they've already put out records yeah you know and so how do you, what's your approach live and what's your approach going into the studio? Are you trying to be the old drummer in your mind or are you trying to sort of put your own mark
1: on it? I think that it's a bit of both. I think that, um, say, if you, you know, for anyone who's ever played in a cover band or, or, or learned a, a cover for a gig, you know, I think it's important to kind of get inside the head of that drummer and learn the part. Did you feel and, like you
0: were in a cover band in the beginning? Did you feel like you were sort of like in essentially, a trade cover band? honestly,
1: like the like our musical director Jerry Becker, he plays keyboard and guitar. Um, he said that he's like treat it like a cover gig, like learn the parts, learn the fills. And Pat, our singer, is a drummer, and um, he cares about you know those signature fills mm-hmm. and the particular fills and right. and playing the right beats. You know, it kind of. Scott Underwood is a great drummer, and you know his parts are just as important as the bass lines or the or the chord changes. And um, I did try to like uh, do those parts justice. And I know that Train has such a loyal following that like it's important to try to play those parts correctly, right? But at the same time, I also even in doing that, my own kind of personality and feel is going to come out mm-hmm. just because you. Can't, I mean, you can't help it. Um, and so I think that um, at this point there, you know, there, there's probably seven albums worth of things that I didn't play on, and now four uh, that I did. Wow, so you're getting um, sort
0: of middle, almost 50/50. I mean, at
1: this point, and that, and that includes. I mean, we. So I, I recorded on Bulletproof Picasso and A Girl, A Bottle, A Boat, which are the two studio albums. But we also did the, the holiday, like the Christmas sure. album. And then we did a, a, a cover of Led Zeppelin, too. Mm-hmm. So those aren't my parts, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> right. um, yeah, but Pat, you know, started out in a Led Zeppelin cover band in Erie, Pennsylvania, playing bars, and, you know, he can sound like Robert Plant. And he wow. loves paying tribute to his favorite singer and his favorite drummer, John Bonham. And so we decided to... Uh, try to kind of pay respects to the to Zeppelin by doing a note note for note tribute, and then all the proceeds went to a family house, which is um, the charity that we donate money to that houses uh, families of children receiving cancer treatment in, at uh, UCSF oh, Hospital. Awesome. Um, so it wasn't about like trying to make a buck off of Zeppelin, but it was cool to dig inside of you know one of the great drummers, Bonham, um, and and we always we always do classic kind of rock covers in our, you know, we'll in, the, do, in the set, yeah, in the set, yeah. we'll do Dream On, or we'll do Under Pressure, you know, and um, when I do those things, I really do try to play the part, you know, because I feel like uh, it does the song justice, you know, to kind of right. do that, but yeah, when I go into the studio now, though, I I play like myself, I also just try to serve the song, I try to um, Discussed with the other guys what the feel we're trying to go for is, and honestly, the sound of the band has evolved, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and you're just, part of that evolution,
0: yeah. you know. Yeah,
1: and, and I, I think the Pat writes different types of songs. He's working with new producers that he didn't work with. You know, there were three albums that were all produced by Brendan O'Brien. Um, drops of Jupiter and my private nation and um, for me it's you so they all have a certain kind of sound to them. it's it's an amazing sound it's kind of that classic train sound right Um, but since then he's worked with Butch Walker he's worked with Jake Sinclair he's worked with um, on this new record he worked with a younger producer named Will Idap who does like hip-hop and country and all sorts of you know he he works with all sorts of folks Um, espionage uh, you know they work with like Beyonce and Chris Brown but like so like in in a way because I have this background that is in jazz and funk and hip-hop actually some of this newer music I think I'm well suited to kind of contribute to because that's because I just listen to a diverse style uh, you know styles of music Um, and as a drummer it's just a really great set to play because Mm -hmm. it goes from college alternative rock to uh, you know, arena kind of like swung mid-tempo like Drops of Jupiter yeah. calling all angels rock, you know, to uh, John Bonham like cover, you know, song to like our current stuff which mm. is like, you know, four on the floor like dance pop songs or, right. you know, uh, this new this new album we have um, like a Purdy Shuffle song. It's, you know, like a 12 group. Nice. So So there, there's all sorts of really cool stuff in there that really keeps it interesting.
0: Do you still feel like, or not still, but I'm sure that there was a time where you felt like the new guy
1: yeah was definitely
0: was it difficult for you when you know was there inside jokes and all these things that that you're sort of like these guys have a history together and I'm sort of the outsider yeah what was that adjustment like
1: I think that um it's intimidating stepping in to uh, a band where um the original drummer was one of the founding members and had been in the band for 20 years right and to think that they're gonna be diehard fans out there who are gonna show up and expect to see one guy and see someone else, right? Um, but at the same time, I just had to show up and try to do a good job. And and the way I approached it was, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, play the best I can and mm-hmm. uh, try to be musical and try to support the musicians around me and put on a good show and work hard and hopefully the music will speak for itself. Right. Um, and I think that that has been the case. And even though. I think early on that first year, you know, I would sometimes see comments on on social media like, there, who there the heck is are. this guy? Yeah, yeah. But eventually it became like fans being like, we love Drew, like we can love Scott and Drew. They're not mutually exclusive, like that kind of thing, you know, which I think is the, the right great, approach. Yeah. I think people get, um, you know, possessive of the band um, as it's comprised when you first find out about, about a band, you know, when Jimmy Chamberlain wasn't playing with Smashing Pumpkins for a while, you know, I was bummed. I yeah. was like, what? You know, but there ended up being other good drummers and, you know, they still sounded great, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I'm, I, it's awesome to see Jimmy back with the band. Right. But, you know, I think as, but I'm a musician and a, a, um, so I know that personnel changes. Right. I think sometimes fans who, who just like the music and th- they... They, it's more of a personal connection that yeah. they have and, yeah. and, and like, oh, what
0: happened with this guy? Exactly. Like...
1: Yeah. So I totally understand why people would feel hurt right. by not seeing someone that they're used to seeing, but, uh, I've been nothing but embraced, um, by people I've had the chance to meet. And, and, um, really, I think I would, first and foremost, I was there to, pl- you know, try to be a good drummer and, right. and, and, and be musical. And, um, now I'm three years in and, um, Luckily we have another guy who's who plays guitar who's newer than me so I think that takes a little nice. bit of the pressure off as far as the new guy thing. So now you can haze him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How often do you get recognized like out and about? Honestly, I think not not really that often. I think no. it's if I'm if the band is about to play that night or we just played the today show or good morning America. Right. That's when it happens. It'll be like I'll be leaving and then I'm on the street a few blocks away and someone's like, "Hey, I saw you, you on saw TV." You yeah. But um no, I mean our our singer Pat is is definitely the recognizable face of the band. Right. Um and he he gets stopped and all that, you know. But uh yeah, I'm not a famous person. I just happen to play for a fam- you know, a guy who is famous or a band that's well known. Right. Um but uh but when the band's together and stuff, it's really great to meet people who come up and talk about how the, the, the lyrics move them and how much the band's meant to them. And that's just, then you realize, like, it's beyond just the drum beats that you're playing. Right. It really, it's, it's, the music moves people. And that's why we like music in the first right, place, right? right, is right. For, it, for it to move us and make us feel better and connect us with other people. And, and I think, you know, being able to play all around the world... And, and see people sing these lyrics and, and, and cry and, and laugh and put their hands in there. I mean, it's just such a special uh, thing to be a part of. The power of music. Man. Yeah, man, the power of totally. music. So what is, uh,
0: what's on tap for the future for you?
1: Man, we have, um, so we just put out this new album mm-hmm. and we have a big uh, summer tour this summer. Um, two and a half months, um, you know, like 45 cities. Right. Like I mentioned, OAR is opening as well as Natasha um, Beddingfield. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's a UK artist? Um, so it's a real like a, eclectic bill. It, it's definitely like a summertime jams, you know, I like, like uh, outside. A lot of I'm definitely coming to one of those. Oh, too. cool, man. Yeah, yeah, we'll be you know, we'll we'll be all through. I know that you're in the Northeast, and uh, but yeah, we'll be in the Bay Area too at the end of the summer playing. Um, kind of technically the hometown show, you know, the bands uh, originally right, from yeah. San Francisco. So whenever we play there, it, we play Shoreline Amphitheater Sweet. a lot, and uh, that should be fun. But then we're going to. Um, um, we got Japan uh, at the end of July, and I um, think they're working on some Australia dates. Uh, then we got a bunch of UK and Germany and Netherlands dates in October. Um, so it's going to be, I think, That's the busiest the year for me um, and uh, since I've been in the band. And um, we're just lucky to have a new single. It's called Play That Song. And it's it's been charting mm-hmm. uh, in a way that the band hasn't charted in probably four or five years. So uh, I think we're excited that people are... In this day and age, uh, you know, Pat, who's uh, been in the industry a long time, you know, trying to compete with Justin Bieber and Drake, you know, <laughs> right. like it's cool it's that hard. people are, are moved by the music and are yeah. still interested in coming out to the show. So it's, I think that it's really it's really inspiring and I'm excited to see what happens uh, for the rest of the year.
0: So do you teach privately or anything in in, uh, the town, in city? Uh,
1: I, I, you know, I used to, but I, we travel so much that I don't get a chance to, to set up too many lessons. But Definitely uh I don't have any kind of formal like right. teaching position or anything, but definitely one off, you know, sure. uh, willing to, to to get together and, and and teach. Um but so if uh, people want to yeah. you know connect with you or yeah. reach out or
0: whatever, uh, what's the best way to do that?
1: Uh I mean they could reach out to me on um well I have all sorts of social media ways to, to get in contact with me. So I'm on Instagram, um it's uh Drew D R E W underscore Scholes S H O A L S. Same with Twitter. Um, and then, and then, uh, Facebook, I'm at, uh, Drew Scholes drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have drewscholes.com. Um, okay. so you can find all sorts of ways to kind of reach out to me, uh, through those. those and I ways. will, so in yeah. the
0: show notes for the, for the podcast, I'll link up to everything. Oh, cool. Thanks, the tour, man. You know, the Appreciate links it. to the tour dates. Awesome. And, Thank you. And all that stuff. And, uh, yeah. And
1: save me, San Francisco.com is a uh, trains website, yeah. which is named after, one of the band's albums. So from there you can also find out about all the train tour dates. Which is crazy. why don't they
0: just have train that's it. Well, I think it's
1: not a it's not a real uh, Google friendly band name if you think about it. Like um, train is pretty ambiguous yeah. or like it would lead you to train schedules and right. you know things like that. Um so I think it used to be Train Line mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. And then I think after Save Me San Francisco, they was, just it they nice. just, yeah, changed. And and the band actually has a, a wine company okay. called Save Me San Francisco Wine Company with ah, okay. six varietals of, of wine. And um, a lot of the proceeds go go to uh, the the charity I was talking about earlier, oh, Family House. So, yeah, our, uh, talk about someone, like I was saying, who just bringing it back to our the beginning of our discussion as far as being like, broad in your career kind of aspirations. You know, Pat is such a smart guy. He has the wine company, he has um the band, he has a podcast, he right. is a radio DJ on Sirius, uh on a show called Train Tracks where he helps discover and break new and up up and coming awesome. bands. I mean he's got he's done T V stuff, you know, like so I'm real inspired by him as a as a as a guy to work with and uh you know just trying to incorporate some of his uh, his his uh, approaches to being broad and open right. uh, to my own life. Right. So yeah. Drew hey man, Nick, you, great bro. to meet you. Appreciate and, it. Uh, thanks for having me. Of course, Come man. On, Thank yeah. you. All right.
0: So there you have it, Drew Shoals. And be sure to check them out on the road. this summer, They're going out with OAR, and so it'll be training OAR. And, and Chris Coolis from OAR is a good buddy of mine. So they're, It's I'm really excited about that tour, and be sure to, to check that out. And for everything that we talk about, including links to the tour page and all that stuff, you can find it at drummersresource.com forward slash session two five zero. Also, if you dig the podcast, please consider supporting it. Go to drummersresource.com forward slash support and see how you can make a difference and contribute to supporting Drummer's Resource. All right. Until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.